as you age, as you're more successful at work, then I think it's time to take that excess cash and put it to work in investments. And I would seek out a qualified financial professional to work with you to determine what investments best meet your risk and return needs. And then maybe after a while, if you're comfortable with the plan that you've worked out, you can maybe direct that yourself and if you will, make decisions over your own investment. Welcome to the Financial Verse podcast. I'm your host, Harry Stout. This podcast is dedicated to improving your financial wellness. Our focus is to educate and inform about all aspects of money. We seek to reduce the financial anxiety, stress, and drama you face daily dealing with money. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Financial Verse podcast. I'm your host, Harry Stout. In this episode, we'll discuss an approach on how you can allocate your excess cash each month. I know having an excess cash position is a, a great problem to have, and hopefully I'll be able to help you today. So let's begin. A question I often get asked is once I have a budget in place and I find my cash inflow exceeds my outflow, what do I do with this extra money? Where should I put it? Should I put it into my 401k first or should I pay off a loan? I'm confused. What should I do? Well, based on my experience and practically what I've done in my financial planning life, if, if you will, I've come up with something called the cash savings hierarchy for your consideration. It's just some ideas on how you might approach this problem and what your priority should be with your cash. In presenting the cash savings hierarchy, I've tried to come up with a simple approach to what is a very personal decision process. After you're able to comfortably pay your living expenses each month, including your basic insurance coverages, your auto, your home and life insurance, and minimum debt service, and you can see you have extra cash in that checking account, you're ready to implement the cash savings hierarchy. It's a rational process which has the following steps. The first is to establish an online savings account. As I've discussed before, online savings accounts typically pay substantially higher rates of interest on your savings than bricks and mortar banks. And these accounts are very easy to withdraw money from when you need it. I would use this account to begin to accumulate your excess cash and segregate it from your checking account so you're not tempted to spend the money. And one way to do this is to set up regular transfers from your checking account to the online savings account each pay period. Therefore, in this online savings account, you'll be accumulating cash and you'll use that to fund your hierarchy, if you will. And we'll discuss that. Number two, I would use that online savings account. The first priority would be to build your emergency fund. Remember, as what we've learned from the pandemic, you need an emergency fund. It is a must-have, not a nice-to-have. And you need to build up that fund so it has at least six months of your basic living expenses, including your debt service payments, six months at least. Keeping your emergency fund in an account, an online savings account, that you can draw on quickly if needed should give you peace of mind. Also, by segregating it in that online savings account, Hopefully you won't have the desire to touch it other than for its intended purpose, an emergency. Number three, once you have that emergency fund fully funded, 
you're then going to have questions about what do you do with your money? Should I repay debt or should I accumulate savings for a long-term need that I know is going to happen? I would tell you that based on this environment, this low interest rate environment that we're in, accelerating debt payments would be the first action I would take. Uh, if you've got 15 to 22% interest that you're paying on credit card debt, you need to pay it off as quickly as you can. Overall, it'll save you substantial money over the life of that obligation. And also being free of the negative impact of those debt payments is a liberating it's as liberating a financial event as you'll ever have. When your credit card debt goes to zero, and maybe you then have just a mortgage left or just a rent payment left, it's a huge psychological lift. So I also, if you really are in deep trouble with your debt, take a look at the work of Dave Ramsey and his books. Obviously, he has been the national advocate for living a debt-free uh, debt lifestyle. He offers you a number of different ideas. I'm not of the same school as Dave, I believe some forms of debt are good. And we'll talk about that in, uh, in actually next week's post, our, our next post. So number four, after you've paid off all those short-term debts and you've done away with all those 15 to 22% interest rates, I think the next step should be to fund your 401k plan if one is available to you to make sure you secure that full employer contribution. And Again, remember, the sooner you start saving, the greater impact it will have on your retirement. And many people miss out on using the 401k plan offered to them by their employer and the related employer matching contribution. Now, most employers match your contributions up to a certain level. And uh, I took a look at a recent report from Fidelity Investments, and it basically says that the average employer matched up to 4.7% of salary in 2019. Now in 2021, when I'm recording this, employers are looking to do all they can to help and help recruit new employees and to keep the ones that they have. So I think employer matches may get a little bit more generous over the next several months. And remember that 401k employer match is found money. And the example that I just provided if you can save 4.7% of your salary and your employer matches that amount, you'll be saving 9.4% of your pre-tax salary for your later years. I think that's a real healthy start that you could get on saving for the future. It's really substantial. And you know, we, we've discussed the need to save more than that percentage, but imagine if you could just get nearly 10% from your 401k plan, that's huge. Number five, after you've, you're contributing enough to your 401k plan to earn that full employer match, I would then look to take that excess and I would use it to fund one of three different choices based upon your individual situation. And, the individ and these options, as far as I see them, are number one, I would take a look at purchasing cash value life insurance with the goal of accumulating funds for later in life and creating permanent life insurance coverage. There are significant tax benefits to cash value life insurance that could really save you money in the long term and position your savings 
for creating supplemental tax-free income later in life. So I'm a believer in cash value life insurance. I would take a look at it. And I think you should add it to your overall savings hierarchy. The next thing I would do is if you're in a high deductible health insurance plan, I'd look to set up a health savings account. And again, you have to be able to qualify to set up such an account, but these accounts give you great flexibility in terms of saving money for healthcare needs. And also, to, if you don't use this money in your working years, you can use it later and when you're older and your medical bills are a lot higher. So I'm a firm advocate in setting up a health savings account if you can. The last or third option I would have is if you got cash value life insurance in place, you've got a health savings account set up, I would look to then fund a 529 plan for my dependent children. And again, most likely people want to make some contribution to their children's lives and their children's education to help them, maybe not the full tuition, if you will, the full tuition payment, but enough to help the child along. 529 plans can help you do that. And we'll talk more about 529 plans in a future episode. So number six, after you've gotten done fully funding steps one through five, and you've got cash left over from those various areas, and as you age, as you're more successful at work, this will likely happen to you, then I think it's time to take that excess cash and put it to work in investments. And I would seek out a qualified financial professional to work with you to determine what investments best meet your risk and return needs. And then maybe after a while, if you're comfortable with the plan that you've worked out, you can maybe direct that yourself and, if you will, make decisions over your own investments. But it'll take some time. So let me summarize today's session for you. Generating more cash inflow versus outflow each month is the key milestone in the financial verse. Once you do, you're able to focus on putting cash into your emergency fund, paying off your debt, and investing for your later years. I need to tell you, there's no one way to accomplish this, and you'll need to decide what is best for you from both a financial and a psychological perspective. The financial verse cash savings hierarchy that I discussed with you today provides a framework for you to use. Remember, overall, you need to save at least 10 to 15% of your annual pre-tax income to pay for the expected living costs of your very long life. Deciding on an approach and sticking to it are the keys to success in saving money for all your needs. Well, that's it for today, and we look forward to our next session together. Thanks for listening today. The Financial Verse podcast is brought to you by Better Wealth. Better Wealth's mission is to unlock intentional living by helping you better manage your money. To find out more, go to betterwealth.com. If you like what you've heard today, please rate us on your podcast service and forward today's program to your family and friends. We would really appreciate it. To learn more about the Financial Verse, please visit financialverse.com.